RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. So I'm reading here from the weatherwatch.co.nz page. The government has finally commissioned a review of New Zealand's weather forecasting system. Our state-owned enterprises minister, Duncan Webb, says this follows on from over a decade of formal complaints from weatherwatch.co.nz and recent news stories from the listener and NZ Herald exposing the double up and lack of transparency from NIWA in particular. So we're curious to find out more about that here at RCR. And Philip Duncan from Weatherwatch, it's a name that uh, I've heard before. You might have uh, seen Philip doing his weather forecasts over quite a long period of time now, joins us to talk about this. Philip, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Okay, so for a decade, you've been sort of banging on, for want of a better way of describing it, about this. It's taken a long time to um, draw attention to the level where now you've got uh, a minister, Duncan Webb in this case, saying that they'll do something about it. Yeah, I I do find it funny that they call it um, a systems issue. Um, When they say um, there's a review into the weather systems, what they actually mean is there's a review into two weather agencies, two government agencies that are competing against each other. And in particular, NIWA, which has always been into climate and atmosphere, but in the last 10 years got into commercial weather and directly started taking net service on. And that affected us in the private sector as well, because it basically ends up with the weather forecasters from the government in a boxing ring in the corners of their ring, and they're defending what they consider as their intellectual property. But with anyone who can just take a step back would say, that's public data, that's public information, you don't own it. And so the government um, has for a long time said that there's been no problem. Um, NIWA for a long time have been saying they're not competing with MetService. But in the last few years, NIWA took one of MetService's biggest clients off them, the Department of Conservation, and they misled a select committee on that. And I think the um, snowball effect started from that point onwards. And now the government's finally realised after those New Zealand Herald stories this year from the editor Shane Curry uh, that, that something's got to change here because when you've got one of the top editors in the country asking questions, it's not so easy to fob off. Okay, is there an example anywhere else in the world of two government-owned weather agencies competing against themselves in the commercial market, it has to be said, but obviously when you're stealing clients from one of your owner's um, portfolio of, I don't know, businesses or departments, it gets kind of weird. It's it's all sort of like uh, going down some sort of vortex or something. So are there any other models that we know of that are like this one? No, this is the only only one in the world. And there are some examples around the world of, of, of a government agency that splits out into pieces. Um, in America, you've got NOAA, which is a bit like NIWA. But inside that, they've got the National Weather Service. Um, right. In Australia, they've got the Bureau of Meteorology. That is one size uh, for all. It does climate, it does weather. And in Canada, they've got Environment Canada, which does weather and climate. In New Zealand, we've got NIWA that does climate and Met Service that does weather except for the last 10 years when NIWA went, actually, we'll do weather as well. And no questions asked by government on that one. But the interesting thing is you won't find one single Minister of Parliament, you won't find one MP that supports what NIWA is doing. So we've been using that um, quite strongly over the last few years to say, not only is this not done anywhere else in the world, but even here in New Zealand, no one in elected power supports what is going on. So that, that begs questions about the 
power that NIWA's got and the lack of transparency that's going on there. Um, the, the listener and the Herald asked about 10 to 15 questions to NIWA. All of them were refused to be answered. And they were basic questions like, why have you set up NIWA whether to compete with MetService or just to, to run it? What's the end goal? How much money are you making from this? And more importantly, are the public making anything from this? Are, are, are there any dividends coming back? And when NIWA refuses to answer those questions over the span of a couple of years, you can't help but fill that up with your own theories. And I think that's where this has gone off the rails for them. Is it fair to say, in your view as a weatherman, that NIWA, NIWA is thoroughly politicised? Yes. Um, NIWA, for, yes. I mean, the, the, firstly, because they're doing weather now, which is not not really to do with climate change. It's completely different from climate change. The other problem is they've, they've now produced their own set of records. And you'll often see this. They'll say this is the highest ever temperature recorded by our official government agency. And then you'll get MetService do a tweet to them two minutes later going, in 1964, it was colder or hotter or whatever. So what you're getting with that now is two groups of records. And you're already seeing some on the far right using that to say, well, climate change isn't real because here's an example of needless. Well, I don't know about the far right, actually, to be fair. I talked to Ian Wishart. He's not the far right. Oh, well, no, no, there are some in the far right, though, that okay, are like... Okay, well, right, let's Ian, define what far right is. I mean, you're talking about Nazis walking down the street or, or just people who have, you know, a suspicion of bureaucrats who hold their hands up for money all the time. We're well, I deal, to... with, I deal with the left and the right in my job, so I, I get quite used to sort of saying that group there, that group there. But you are right. I mean, Ian Wishart is, has done some really good work on what Niwa's been doing. But it doing. turns out Niwa were totally massaging their figures by... Yes. A drawing a line at 1978 when I was still at school, hardly an historical record. And this is what I mean about politicization, because I see now that um, the NIWA chief executive is saying, as the nation builds its resilience to a changing climate. Okay, I'm in Wellington. I've been here for nearly 50 years. It's still howling a nor'wester. It's still about the temperature it always was. So you know, um, this is what I mean about politicization. I'm not having a go at you, but no, no, no. I, I how can you trust? How can you trust? Yeah, that's the question. And that's a big issue. It's a real issue. And in fact, what when Ian Wishart first brought that up earlier this year after Cyclone Gabriel, it was an excellent point because it's what I've been raising. When I said the far right, why, why I said that is because what's happening here with the way Nee was doing this is those that are extremely against the belief that climate change is really happening. Or man-made. That does see, yeah, that is more on the right. Um, that that argument is now being locked in because they can say, well, that number was made up. It's it's really damaging the credibility of the science around it. And and then you've got others on the far left who are doing the opposite and picking you know those things and saying, well, that's fact. And it's like, but it's not. And so what we've been asking for and what we're hoping from this merger is that we get open weather data, which means it's no longer about NIWAS picking. A, a number and saying that's what it is and we just have to believe them. We all have access to it. We can all see it. Private companies can challenge them on it. And until that happens, it's going to be very hard for NIWA to build up traction in New Zealand on climate change if they're cherry picking numbers that other people can pull apart. Well, they're weaponizing essentially, yes. you could argue, the weather to make they're a political the state asset. That yeah. The CEO believes, that John Morgan, the CEO of NIWA, believes that their, their tax-funded um, supercomputer 
is their own intellectual property and no one else can touch it. But it's that's like claiming that NZTA have intellectual property on a road and they can block you from driving on it because you're today going to do a radio interview about the potholes. Yeah. And that's kind of what it, it, it sounds is. like they've lost the plot, actually. It, it is, and I think so. The fact that they can't be transparent is very alarming. And that was one of the things that I said to Ian Wishart um, earlier this year was, we're not attacking them for climate change reasons. We're attacking them, though, for the same reason you are, which is to do with you can't have cherry-picked numbers when a major storm's hitting. That num- that stuff should just be out there as it is around the rest of the modern world. So we are like China, Cuba, Russia, countries that we don't normally associate ourselves with. Hmm. Okay, so you've been in the weather forecasting game a lot. I've watched many of your forecasts over the years, just so you know. How accurate is our forecasting? Not you, but our government forecasters. And I know in the aviation world, it has to be as accurate as possible. And I guess Met Service are responsible for a good deal of that. But in terms of everyday forecasting, because I've talked to a lot of people who are very badly affected by Cyclone Gabriel, and they felt that they didn't get adequate warnings. And they blame weather forecasters to a certain extent for that. And that's fair enough. They've got a point. So what what do you say to that? Yeah, one of the problems we had with Gabriel was the fact that we had both NEWA and Met Service um, on the news talking about it in different ways. That does not help. What would really have helped is if NEWA was only talking about what Met Service was saying. Because Met Service did actually have warnings out for all the areas that were impacted. But there was a lot of conversation, especially on some of the other like stations like News Talk, ZB, where they were really hammering, is this even happening? You know, so most of the discussion we had with the media the night before the storm and the storm was hitting was whether or not this was really happening, which was a big distraction. Um, so I, I do blame the media for some of that. But then I also say, as you know, the, if, if we didn't have two government forecasters trying to get clicks in the news, then we might have been clearer as to what was going on. We the, the flooding over in Hawke's Bay was a flash flood. It was not your normal river that comes up and bursts the banks a day later. It happened in a flash flood sort of way. And unfortunately, in New Zealand, because we don't have open data, it means that companies like Weatherwatch can't have automatic alerts for rain when it's when that information is there. So this is the reason why this whole review is important because when Gabriel hit, we were all pretty much on the same page as to where the severe weather was going to be, but it was drowned out by a lot of noise. If we could just get back to having open, if we get to the point of having open data like the rest of the world, then you get fewer surprises, fewer nasty surprises, because the private sector, which is really good at communicating, can communicate that government stuff much faster and better than they can. And that's one of the reasons that we get so annoyed that the government sees us as competition. We don't see them as competition. They see us as competition, which is really strange behavior from an agency tasked with saving lives. So also yeah. you asked about accuracy. I think yeah. overall, the accu- the overall accuracy with Met Service warnings is pretty good. Um, the day-to-day forecast, I don't think they're that great, and I don't think was that great because they don't put enough um, – technology into it. So we're using IBM. That is That just blows Niwa's computer out of the park. <laughs> they're I mean, big supercomputer, right? Yeah, they're big supercomputers like a baby compared to the one that we use with IBM, which, by the way, the taxpayers didn't have to pay a cent for, wow. and we provide more data. So there's a big question I hope that the government asks, which is why on earth are we funding Niwa to have supercomputers that IBM's already built? And other companies have already built. And just a quick analogy is it's a little bit like us trying to build an army when we're, and we're up against America. 
You know, yeah, they've got the biggest yeah. army in the world. Why are we competing in that area? We're better off to be peacekeepers. Same with the weather industry in New Zealand. Let's not try and compete head on with IBM when we just can't do that. We're better off to work with them. Their technology is better, cheaper, and more local as well, which is more remarkable. You got me thinking that um, is it even um, is there any point even having Niwa? I suppose if we wound it up, there'd be less people on the cycleways. And that's about uh, how we'd notice that. But really, are they? And if the if the computing power is is somewhere else, and is available, just like you said, and uh, they're not in the the game of weather forecasting. Uh, I mean, as I suppose people can think about this, but is there any any reason for them to even be there? Here's another thing. I remember watching videos. To get your opinion as a as a meteor meteorologist. I was watching some videos in the week and a half before Cyclone Gabriel, and it was a guy who's based in the UK, you probably even know who I'm talking about, who basically said, here's how the weather's lining up. If you're in any of these areas, and that included Hawke's Bay and Gisborne, get out. You're going to get caught with flash floods. That was a week and a half before the weather system hit. How could he have done that? Just on the data that he had available, you know, open source, that he was looking at. Is, is he some kind of genius or what? It's the same technology we're using. It's thanks to America uh, that they provide 15-day weather maps. Um, we could see this storm more than 10 days out. So our first advice to Vector, the power company in Auckland or utilities company, was about 10 days in advance. In fact, I think it was uh, Waitangi Day was when they announced it because Met Service were the first to announce it, which was very unlike them to announce something seven days. They did it seven days before. Right. We did it on the Saturday, so that was about nine days in advance. Okay, so that's well in advance. That, yeah. And you see, people died, you see. This is why I'm... And, and the, top of the problem is you, you can see that and you can easily say it from the other side of the world. But when it comes down to actually saying to people, your livelihood, your farm, your business, you've got to think about that. You can't really talk about that until the day before. No, I um, understand. But, but so, people were caught napping. They were incredibly surprised. I know I've interviewed people who had to get out. One person who had a, a person die in his house. So I've heard straight up. And they didn't know until that late at night or early morning what was coming down and but it yeah. turned out that some people knew well in advance that this could be a huge issue and it was this is another reason why we shouldn't have two government voices because when you've got one voice so as i say met service put out that warning a week in advance they were very clear in their warnings. Then NEWIC got into the mix and they were, they were doing different modelling and it just makes it messy. And what happens with that is that the media rightly say, who knows, they're all saying different things. And, and, and it brings down the seriousness of the story. It becomes a big noisy uh, yeah. event. And I think what you'll find is in other countries where there's one single voice from the government, it's a much clearer narrative as to who's affected. And there's also a bit of a degree of being careful because our mountains and ranges play a big role in our weather more than most other countries. Yeah. Um, you can end up with one region with a flash flood and then just down the road, they had almost nothing. And we did see that in Hawke's Bay. We saw farms that were washed out and then other farms on the next hill over saying their river barely 
changed. Yeah. And it's all about the catchment. So again, yeah, you've got to be very careful with the warnings and don't want to burn bridges and cry wolf. But I think we can do a lot better in New Zealand. And we start by having one single voice of authority, not two. And he was learning on the job, bringing people in from around the world. It's it's very messy and embarrassing actually to watch. So I think this review is timely. I just hope they do something. The last review, Labour completely scrapped it, um, even though they said they were going to do more than national. Why national would they have paper. scrapped it, do you think? Uh, well, we met with Megan Woods in, in the Beehive. She said that all National had done was a review and Labour were going to do a lot more than that. And if she had her way, she'd do a lot more. And I said, you're the senior minister for science. Yeah, Whose way do you have to have? Yeah, right. two doors down from Jacinda Ardern. I mean, if you don't have the power to make change, then it backs up what I've always said, that it's all about the crown. It's all about a royal family on the side of the world and a bunch of people in Treasury in our government holding it as it is. And that's basically what happened. I don't know what changed it other than a really bad year for Labour this year. Maybe that's enough to make them make change. Well, um, well I don't know. Is it too cheeky to suggest that this is the way that weather can be linked to climate change? And when you're putting everything into climate change, all your policies or, you know, your philosophical direction, let's say, and your tendency to catastrophize the world, knee was useful. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, the, it's a really good point. Um, the, the the weather side of it gives them big dramatic headlines and all that stuff. When you read the press release from uh, Duncan Webb, the minister, uh, it talks about climate all the way through it. Climate has nothing at all to do with these two companies doing weather forecasting yeah. against each other. Climate's a whole different story. So I thought that press release was a was very, very political in the way it was written. It was a, a lot of smoke and mirrors to really actually say this has nothing to really do with climate change except for the fact that NEWA, if you ask people what's NEWA in the news for, they're not in the news for climate change. They're in the news for weather. So that's something I hope changes. I would love to see them talking about climate trends and back it up with facts so that we don't have Ian Wishart having to go out there and do what he's doing. Well, already uh, they've been shot down on that. Absolutely. In my view, they can't come back. You know, no, they probably um, can't. I'm, I'm a bit with you on that at the moment. They're too yeah. commercial. That's what. That's the problem. From what you see, I'll get your opinion on this. Do you see any re really noticeable trend of the increased frequency intensity of what they call extreme weather? Because like I say, I'm sitting here in Wellington. I've been in and out of here for 50 years. I'm nearly 60. Uh, my memory's still good. It seems like any other day that I can remember, even when I was a kid sitting here in Wellington. In fact, it's been a little less windy lately and a little finer than you'd normally expect. You probably know about that because you've been forecasting that weather. So it's easy to say these things and link it to spurious data, cherry-picked. But, I mean, I'm not seeing it, i got to say. Well, I, I fully believe that that mankind is making the world dirtier, more polluted, and affecting our climate. Right. But I do not believe that this, the extreme stories, even this week, the global boiling, I mean, it's such a ridiculous... Yeah, boiling. Yeah. headline and it's 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 ridiculous because boiling is 100 degrees celsius um so i don't like that term and i got asked by um in a video chat a couple of weeks ago on zoom in the south island a whole lot of farmers got together and there were it was a, a thing about climate and if, at the very end any questions and this guy said uh we keep hearing that climate change is going to destroy us can you tell me as a farmer what it's going to do for me and i said 
I don't think it will make much difference in the next 20 to 40 years. Um, I haven't seen huge differences in New Zealand, but there are some. We're not seeing as many frosts. Uh, we're certainly seeing a reduction in snow in the North Island. Um, and we're seeing some some examples of you know, a general trend of temperatures being above normal. But we have not broken our highest temperature, which was 42.2 degrees. That was over 10 years ago, and that only matched what happened in the 1970s. So there's no evidence that we're getting extremely hot summers yet. Um, and I, I, the climate change argument gets so extreme. It just gets so big and so ridiculous. And I remember when James Renwick, uh, Dr. James Renwick, who's now a Green Party supporter, but used to be part of NIWA, he used to be really good at this conversation because I would say to him, so if New Zealand's in a pretty good position to deal with climate change, world heating up, why is it so alarmist here? And he said his biggest worry at night was other countries running out of water and the demand from them coming here to New Zealand to live. This sort of um well, we could export the water to them. Well, yeah, I mean there's, there's no shortage of water around. No yeah, there's no shortage of water in the planet, but there are some areas like India could you know problems in these populated areas. Yeah. So it's a debate and a conversation that I love having. That's stopped these days because NIWA don't talk about it. They talk weather only. And I think that's a real shame because I think we can learn and be smart if the world is warming up. Let's adapt to it, not freak out about it. There are ways that we can be cleaner and greener without it being this this horrible negative thing. So I'm I'm an optimist when it comes to climate change. Interesting to hear. Yeah, I don't see any uh, sign of the sea level going up. I was around at Lyle Bay the other day. He used to surf there a lot. Still, it's still about the same um, where where the tide was. Okay, what's on the horizon for weather forecasting? Because it's a huge computational exercise, isn't it, to to compute weather? Because there's so many variables, so much going on. So, and you talked about um, that just before with with uh, you know supercomputers, IBM, etc. Are there any major is AI going to have a role in weather forecasting, let's say? So it already is. Um, our, one of the things when we first started working with IBM about five years ago, when we did our business partnership with them, was they were talking about AI. And it was at a time when MetService oddly had said they, they didn't believe in computer technology as being the future for them. That the lady who said that doesn't work there anymore. I gotta say, that's a bit of a bold thing to say, isn't it? There's a good chance that they've they've reviewed that opinion um, and yep. don't agree with it anymore. But the amazing thing with IBM is they they map the entire planet just like Google Earth does. So if you go to Google Earth, you can look at anywhere in the world and zoom in. Well, yep. same with IBM. I can go anywhere on a map like the one behind me and click on it and tell you at that longitude and latitude what the 10-day forecast is for everything. IBM's got AI with it. We were not overly um, keen to talk about that side of it for the first few years. Now we're really embracing it. AI is the best thing to happen to weather. If it means that weather forecasters are losing their jobs, so be it, because oh, okay, yeah, because trust me, the accuracy is better if a computer can do it and can nail it and can update it every fifteen minutes across the day. And you live in Ekaterina or even in a small village behind Ekaterina that no one's ever yeah. heard of, yeah, you're suddenly important, and and it doesn't rely on a forecaster whose knowledge disappears when he or she moves on right. to another job or retires. So I really support AI with weather. It will get into the nitty gritty. It'll get into all the detail. And the best thing about our um, connection with IBM and AI is that it learns from its mistakes. And I've seen this happen in Christchurch where 10 years ago, Norwester, they had a high of 21 degrees matching what they had in Westport. Now it will say 31 degrees because it's learned. 
oh, wait, Norwester, geography, that's a hot direction. So yeah. it limits mistakes. And that's not something that NIWA or MetService can boast about. So I'm I'm really proud of our AI connection. It takes, it means that my focus as a forecaster is on those severe events like Gabriel and not on whether it's going to be a shower at your barbecue on Saturday. That's what the computers can worry about. Right. And um, how's this um, this part of the year been so far then in terms of uh, historical? Uh, is it has it been about right this this winter in New Zealand or have we seen any changes or any nuances that sort of stand out to you? We had an unbelievably wet half to this year. A lot of regions have already had a year's worth of rain. It's worth pointing out, though, for the last five years beforehand, we were in a rainfall deficit, which meant places like Auckland and Waikato and the top of New Zealand in particular were below normal for five full years. Wow, Every okay. basically below normal. So even if rainfall goes back to normal, it's going to feel very wet. And well, this that's year, why people think there's been extreme weather because there was right. that, that period of time where yeah, it was not so extreme. dry and, yep. and it was unusual. And as a weather forecaster, I noticed it because we didn't get as many news stories. People weren't as interested in reading about the weather. Um, whereas this first half of this year was through the roof as far as the public's interest was concerned. Now we're getting back into a different pattern and El Nino is forming, may well be announced later today. Um, and so that announcement, if it's today or in the next couple of weeks, is going to encourage more westerlies, more high pressure and a drier, more westerly driven pattern, which will be a little bit similar to the last five years and not so much like the last six months. So Mother Nature is very good at doing balancing acts. It takes years sometimes for it to happen. And I think we're now going to go into a drier trend. Um, but we are still getting this warmer weather, and if the sea temperatures are warmer than average, even by one degree, that can make a very big difference as far as rainfall and low pressure zones are concerned. So El Nino normally cools things down in the Tasman, but at the moment it's warmer than average. We've got a marine heat wave that we've had all year. So there's El Nino this year is a little more complex because of that locally here in New Zealand. We're not going to be boiling, are we? No, probably not. <laughs> it's <laughs> been really interesting. Yeah, it's been interesting talking to you, Philip. Thanks for making some time for us. My Philip pleasure. Duncan of Weather Watch, and let's see what that um, that review, uh, government review, comes back with. Uh, what are you expecting? I, I would expect that the government will suggest that that we need to have open data here in New Zealand. That's weather observations we fund, like radar and how hot it got today. Yeah, and I think there'll be some discussion about NIWA's supercomputer being allowed to be used by Met Service under some arrangement. Um, I I hope they don't merge the two completely. Um, I think that would be a mistake. But if they do, I hope it's Met Service that absorbs NIWA weather yep. and not the way around. Yeah, because otherwise, then you get a politicised Met Service. Yes. And Met Service do not like the politics going on with NIWA. That's just purely technical, right? That, yeah. That, yeah. Okay, Philip Duncan from weatherwatch.co.nz. Thanks for joining us. All the best. Thank you very much for having me. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.